Welcome to the Business, Wealth and Mindset Podcast. Your space for real motivational interviews and cutting-edge business content to inspire your positive mental attitude. And now, your host, Alex Sopala. Angela, yeah, thank you very much for coming on the uh, Business, Wealth and Mindset podcast to speak to us and share your amazing story, a story of uh, inspiration and courage and bravery and all sorts of things. So I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be looking to get some inspiration from that, from your journey, you know, the humble beginnings and where you've been, the challenges, the successes and the lessons within. So um, it would be good to, to capture the essence of all of that. So we'll uh, normally sort of just get to um, capture your story in a sort of chronological order. So if you take us through from uh, the humble beginnings, growing up uh, in, uh, uh, you know, back home in Malawi, uh, the siblings, the family, the school, your memories and all of that. And then we take us through as a sort of a chronological order of your um, of your story. So, uh, yeah, is that all right to just take us through there from humble beginnings? And then within that, we'll just get to chat about uh, uh, various things that uh, you talk about. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. So... I was born in Malawi. I was born in Zomba, uh, in a family of two. I have one sibling. I have a younger sister. And um, my, my dad actually died when I, was, when I was two years old. He oh. died in a car accident. So I was raised by my mom. Uh, my mm. mom uh, trained as a nurse. So she used to work at Zomba Hospital, which was the old capital city of Malawi. And my dad was a lawyer. He was also mm. working in Zomba. From there, um, I went to Lilongwe when the capital city moved from Zomba mm -hmm. to Lilongwe. Then, so I was brought up in Lilongwe. I think uh, I was about eight years old when I when we moved to Lilongwe. But my mom was raised in Zimbabwe, so mm -hmm. her family was in Zimbabwe, and right. I have. Yeah cousins in Malawi and uncles in Zimbabwe. So we, we're like half and half. Yeah, I see. Although okay. I am, yeah, yeah. Um, but my parents come from the northern part of Malawi. My mom comes from Karonga. My dad um, came from Katabe. But mm. I don't know much about uh, Katabe from my dad's side. Yeah. Okay. All right. So growing up, your Grammar school then would have been in, in Lilongwe, having moved, yeah? Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I briefly, well, starting school was in Blantyre because at one point I had to go and live with my mom's brother when my mom was studying. Yeah. So starting school was in Blantyre, but from then I moved to Lilongwe. So primary school um, was in Lilongwe, Lingazi, uh, mm -hmm. in Area 18. Uh, from Standard 7, I went to Ludzi boarding um, school so i did my boarding school um i did my uh, standard seven and eight at ludzi boarding school yeah from there um i did not make it to i didn't get selected to secondary school but my mm -hmm. mom sent me to crazy so i didn't repeat but i went to crazy okay 
Yeah, so from Pwezi, I only managed one term. Then the second term, we managed to find space in a government secondary school. So I went to Ekwendeni Girls Secondary School. I did mm. from one to four at Ekwendeni Girls Secondary School. Mm. And from there, I was selected to Kamus College of Nursing. Yeah. It was not my first choice. It was my third choice. Ah. But the competition was very high, so I did not manage to get into my first choice. So I, I ended up at um, Kamus College of Nursing. Mm. Okay. What From did you want to do? What did you want to do before? What were your first two choices then? So I wanted to do social science. I wanted to do social science or business studies because when I was in secondary school, I I did a bit of um, typing and business type of thing in, in form one to form four. So yeah. I did not do home economics because it, it was home economics or business studies. So I did mm -hmm. the business studies, but at I, I didn't uh, have good grades at from school. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So before before we sort of uh, move on to more of your uh, secondary and and then the uh, after that um, uh, edu education. So what are, what are your sort of best memories growing up as a child? Like, is there any particular uh, things that you remember? Whether it's uh, you know. Or people reading your stories or playing bow or you know doing what mm -hmm. uh, our kids do at that at that particular time in Malawi. Do you have any specific memories you you remember growing up with your siblings or other families? Yeah, I think especially boarding school. Hmm. I, I just remember that we used to play a lot. I think we did not have any problem and we just went there to play. So yeah. Um, I really enjoyed my body, my primary body school because it was just play and we were really young. I was 11 years old, so mm. I was in the boarding school from 11 years old. So with other 11 year old kids, all we did was go to school and then afterwards in the afternoon, it was just play, play, play. Right. And then in the evening, we had to do some homework, I think for maybe 30 minutes and then go to bed. So it was a lot of playing. Mm. Um, the other thing that I remember a lot is um, traveling. So like I said, because I was raised by a single mother, mm. my mom's brother loved to travel. So we would go to different districts. Um, okay. Like he would take us to Chikwawa, he would take us to Mulanje, and then we would travel all the way to the northern part of Malawi because that's where uh, his parents and my mom's parents came from. So we did a lot of traveling up and down. And even when we lived in Zomba, it was maybe almost every other weekend, it was this travel of Blanta and Lilongwe. So that was good memories as well for us. Mm, that's great. That's great. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, going, uh, you, you didn't make your first two choices of you, uh, and then you went to uh, the third one. So what did you study there then? <clears throat> So I did a diploma in nursing. Mm -hmm. okay. um, diploma in nursing. Um, and I also did a certificate in midwifery because in Malawi, uh, a registered nurse had to be a nurse midwife. So I did mm -hmm. both. So I was there for four years. The first three years was nursing and the other year was for midwifery. Mm. Okay, great. And then how did things progress from there? Then uh, to... 
So from there, I was um, allocated to go and work in Zimba uh, as my first job. But mm -hmm. because I went to secondary school at Ikwenden, I just could not see myself in Zimba. So I, I declined it. And then because I declined, I wasn't able to get into a government uh, hospital to work. Mm. Uh, so I ended up going for interviews um, at Blanda Adventist Hospital, which is a private hospital. Yeah. Um, but before I went there, I did a bit of um, odd jobs like research. I also worked at a pharmacy in Lilongwe for an Asian uh, couple. So I worked mm. there for a few months and I also did some research to do with uh, malaria and HIV and AIDS. Um, mm. I went to diff different districts mm. um, until I got a job at Blanta Adventist where I worked for six months before I left my life. Hmm. Okay. Wow. So at, at that time, uh, sort of uh, mentality-wise and uh, guidance in terms of uh, what you wanted to do and the career path you, went, you wanted to pursue, would you say you were pretty much in the zone of, uh, you know, go to school, get a good education, and then get a good job, and then just make your way uh, through that, just like uh, most of us or most people? Uh, in in Malawi or Africa would be would be guided to would you would you say that was uh, pretty much your yes. mindset? Yes, it was um, basically what my mom wanted me to do. It, I don't <laughs> think it was what I wanted to do because, like I said, I didn't. It wasn't even putting nursing as my third choice was because mm -hmm. the teachers who said put something so that. Um, at least you get selected to go yeah. somewhere. So when when I got selected to KCN, I was so disappointed. I refused to go to Kams College of Nursing. Mm -hmm. I was late by one month to go to school. My mom packed for me with mm -hmm. and my sister because I did not want I did not want to be a nurse. My mom was a nurse, and I was so scared of hospitals mm -hmm. <laughs> and sick people. So I just could not see myself working as a nurse. Mm. But um, I think because I realized that I did not have any choice. And the other thing is they say that if I do very well in my first year, I could apply to go to Chancellor College and carry on do social studies, which yeah. I, I, I went. But then I think I started having fun <laughs> when I went to nursing the first year. I met my friends and I started having fun. Then I forgot all about going to Chancellor mm. College. So I ended up. Um, just staying and, and yeah. doing the nursing until the end, yeah. Wow, so you, you raise uh, two important points there. I mean, the first one is, uh, you know, being directed to do something that uh, was probably not in line with uh, your values and how you were, you were feeling or you wanted to do. But uh, under the same token, it seems you, or did you have uh, an idea? Of course, you wanted to do social science, but career-wise, did you know where and how where that would take you, like particular field of study or work that you wanted to do with the social sciences? Because that's one part of, uh, you know, people guiding you a specific path because you yourself, you don't have a path or a way that you want to go. And then um, the second part is even when you're guided into a particular area, you know, which uh, mm -hmm. you never thought you would actually get to enjoy it, but then when you're in there, you start looking at it you find yourself actually enjoying it and uh, growing into it and to, uh, to an extent that it made you 
forget or actually not pursue going back to do your your social studies, isn't it? So would you say this is yeah. typical of uh, um, uh, you know people or, or young people in Malawi they find themselves in this situation? Yes, because uh, my what I remember is that it, it was my teachers who were giving me all these social sciences. It was because of the teachers, and I think the subjects that I was strong in. That's what that's what they were telling me. So yeah. I think it, that's where it came from. Um, on my own, I don't remember knowing exactly what I want to do. At that age, I did not know what I wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then I, I, I think I was an all-rounder. Like I, I used to pass all the subjects, so I could mold myself into any any of those subjects. That's why when I went to KCN, I, I, I still did well. So yeah. I still did well. Yeah. Mm. I did not have distinction, but I had credits. Yeah. So, even though I didn't want to do the subject. Mm. Good, good, good. Yeah. Now, I think uh, it's it's one of those things. Is you know, like you say, most people or most young people in uh, in Africa in Malawi would find them in, themselves in that situation whereby they are uh, probably the clarity of the direction in terms of what they want to do maybe uh, you know it can be quite difficult, and they need to be guided in that particular way. And in most cases, it will be through which subjects they're actually doing well in, and then that will probably mm -hmm. direct where they, they, they would go. Uh, so, um, and then uh, what then uh, happened for, uh, you know, the next phase of your journey to find yourself uh, here? <laughs> okay, so the next phase is, um, like I said, my so my mom's family, they're all over in the world. Mm -hmm. So she had a young sister who lives here, uh -huh. Um, so the younger sister said, Oh, um, since you, you did really like nursing, but here people who are nurses they get good jobs, so you can come over here. So that attracted me. So I thought, Oh, let me give it a go. Maybe I might enjoy being a nurse. So mm -hmm. that's how I ended up coming here. So I came here, lived with her, and then I went to do adaptation for nursing because I trained in Malawi. They said I have to do uh, three to six months of um, adaptation. It's a course that is specific for nurses who trained outside the e EU uh, and yeah. um, was from the Commonwealth then, yeah. So yeah. it was a long time ago. So I had to do this course in central London. From then on, then I just started applying for jobs. So after the six months. Yeah, okay, all right. How did you find the transition from uh, Africa to here? <laughs> The transition was very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, even the journey to for me to do uh, nursing, even though my aunt knew um, about nursing, but she didn't have all the information. So back then, there was no mobile phones to ring this one. So it took a long time for me to actually find um, the registering body for me to do this course so it didn't happen like within a few months of me coming here it took me almost two years for me to get registered because wow. i had to give them yeah i had to give them information of um, where i trained in malawi and then they sent letters they get references and then the references have to come directly from malawi to um it used to be called ukcc which was the uh, the nurses and midwives council office uh, now it's called nurses and midwives council mm. but in malawi 
um, everything is at a slow motion. So <laughs> there was no agency of them sending these papers here until I had to chase them up myself yeah. to, uh, for them to do it. So it took a, a long time. And then once I got registered, then the UK body sent me uh, a list of hospitals that that does this course because you had to go into one that they've recommended. Mm. So then I I needed money because I've been here a long time. Uh, I mean, I wasn't working properly, so I needed money. So I went to do live-in. I had to go and do the live-in jobs to mm. raise some funds to pay for this course. Yeah. But once I finished that, then I was able to get a job. Mm. Okay. And then you... Yeah. So it was tough. It was yeah. tough. <laughs> it was difficult, but, very difficult. But I mean, normally, uh, you know, you know, coming from Africa, you get uh, the idea of uh, you know coming to Europe for a good, a good and better life and better opportunities as well. So you, you probably, you know, speaking to uh, your, your family here, you must have had that idea that you know you're going to a promised land with, uh, you know, where yeah. the streets are paved with gold and uh, you know there's honey and milk and, <laughs> and all, all of that. So for you yes. to find that there is an element of you having to hustle and uh, well, you know, make your way and work your uh, work your way up to to a, a good living, must have been a bit of a reality check, would you say? Yeah. Yes, at some point I even thought to myself, I had a job in Malawi. I think mm. I should just go back to what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. But but then mm. you you got you got stuck in, you know, find a way to. To break through into uh, you know your your field and then got your education and then uh, you managed to, to to find a job. So um, how did uh, things go on from there? Once you started working, did did things start uh, going well for you? Yeah. Once I started working, it was very very nice mm. um, because now I could um, see a, a a way forward. Um, all the blocks that was in front of me had been yeah. removed. Once I got that um, education, got registered, that was it. So mm. I, even at my first interview, I got the job after my first interview um, wow. at the Royal Free Hospital. Yeah, mm. so from there, I could just choose any. What I decided to do was um, to go and experience different hospitals. So mm -hmm. I registered with an agency. Then I worked at different hospitals in London. Most of them I've worked there. Um, I worked at UCLH. I worked at Royal London. I worked at Central Middlesex, where I did my adaptation. I worked different hospitals so I could have a feel. Mm -hmm. And then um, once I knew which area I wanted to stay in, I applied for a permanent job. And then that's where I sort of settled. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Good. 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 And then, uh, uh, you know, about your journey, you know, maybe tell us a bit more about some of the challenges that you you got to face as you were, you know, working and going through uh, that career path. Because you have uh, uh, some more personal challenges and things that uh, uh, happened to you that you you can share with us. So yeah, if you can. Give us a bit of our uh, insights of some of the challenges that you went through as well personally. Yeah. So some of the challenges was like I was trying to settle here, but I think it, at the back of my mind as well, I had like my family in Malawi. So I'm thinking, okay, 
I'm earning this money, but let me also help in Malawi. So mm. I was struggling, but also helping people in Malawi. Yeah. Um, until then I, I managed to get my sister to come over here as well and do her accounting here. But I was also helping in Malawi. And I, I think not being settled properly, the first few years I wasn't in one place in my mind. I wasn't in one place. I think I still had this thing that I'm going to go to Malawi. I'm going to go back to Malawi. Um, it took a while for me to decide that, no, actually, let me just start settling now um, mm. and make a life here. Because like I, I feel like I'm here, but I'm not really here. So um, I think emotionally, that when I look back emotionally, I wasted a lot of time because I did not settle straight away. In my head, I was still thinking, I will go back. I will mm. go back. Yeah. Um, the challenges was, uh, so like I'm saying, with, with with regards to the finances, having your young single, but having to live here, but then I think it's a guilt. So I, I had this guilt that let me help. I didn't need to, because my mom was working. I didn't need to help. But mm -hmm. for some reason, I just felt like I should help her. Yeah. I think we, we grow up in, in, in like, that you have to look after your parents. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, so it doesn't work and you just think I need to look after after my parents, yeah. Mm. So it's, it's that uh, that uh, contribution to others, isn't it? You know, because they, they had helped you at least to get to get to somewhere where you got to. And you have to play your part as well in terms of uh, contributing to, to others as well. Uh, so, um, yes, so living here, you know, having settled, and life is going on well, there were other challenges as well from your personal story that you you, you faced as well. Just walk us through how that came about and uh, uh, yeah, how, how it all developed and the impact that that, that had on you. <clears throat> okay, so, uh, so once I settled, obviously I got married um, to Gray who I'd already met in Malawi and then we lost contact and then we met again and then got married. Mm. So I have two children, um, a 17 year old, soon to be 18. And I also have a 15 year old, she's going to be 16 in, um, in October. Then five, um, in 2015, I was getting ready. I think we were planning to go to Cornwall for um, summer holiday for like a week. And when I was having a shower, I uh, realized that I, I felt like a lump in my um, right side of my breast. So then I said, I called Gray, I said, can you check this? It feels like a lump. And he felt it. And then he said, yeah, it is a lump. So we booked an appointment with my GP. Uh, when I went to see the GP, he, he also felt it, but I think he, did, he just didn't want to confirm what he had felt. But he said, oh, I'm going to refer you to Basildon Hospital uh, for a, like a two-week appointment. So it's a fast service that they have to refer you to. So they referred me for that. And they said, if you, if you get called, whether you're going on holiday or not, you need to cancel that holiday and go for yeah. this appointment. Yeah. Um, but I did not get called whilst I was on holiday. But when I got back, I found that um, I've got an appointment to go to the hospital. So when I went there, uh, I had um, I had an ultrasound, 
and I also had no I had a mammogram first and then from the mammogram they referred me for a, an ultrasound the same the same day and during the ultrasound they say that they were going to take a biopsy which to me being a nurse I started thinking mm, why would they want to take a biopsy but you know um you don't want to think about it too much when you're going through something like that so I I let I let it rest so within two weeks of that appointment they called me back it was on the first of october in 2015 and i went back uh for the results and um the surgeon just said to me when i walked in says unfortunately the results have come back as breast cancer wow. so yeah my my life changed that day i don't think i'm the same person that i was before that mm. yeah wow. it was um my world just crashed you know like you you plan that you know, i'm going to do this i'm going to do that no mm. that stopped that day wow stopped that day. I, I can imagine because that you know you get first with the you know the whole set of emotions isn't it like uh, coming through into your mind as to what what that means and the impact of that you know to yourself and your family and everyone around you so uh, yeah how 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 did you then cope with that and and, and what happened next and and also uh you know the, the family and everyone around you yes so it was really difficult but um i've always been um a christian so mm. coming from a christian background and very strong in my faith um i think it just helped us because we were still hopeful Mm -hmm. uh, my daughter was about to turn 10 years she was nine when i got diagnosed and yeah. i was I, all i could see was the children and i'm thinking what's going to happen to the children so i i had a whole range of emotions i mm -hmm. I, I, I was so scared i was i, I was afraid of, i couldn't sleep for a very long time i would have heart palpitations then the good thing is on that same day they literally told me that we're going to operate on you uh within three weeks and mm. i was like oh um i'm planning my daughter's birthday the, the surgeon says that no we're still going to operate we're not changing we have to operate within a certain period yeah. so which in a way it was good because i think after the three weeks after having the surgery you feel like oh the lamp is actually gone so yeah. so yeah so you you're you're feeling that it's a lot better so that's what happened within three weeks i had surgery all that was not that difficult it, it went on well it was a day surgery um i recovered well then i had to have radiotherapy for mm. three weeks yeah i had radiotherapy then i finished then i was strong enough to go back to work after about six months so mm. i went back to work um in february of 2016. Mm and life was going on well although like i said things had changed now i was a yeah. different person so mm. i started thinking and being um doing things on purpose like you know being intentional yeah. whereas before i think i was just living with no intention you know like you just get up and just go to work i, I don't think i i'm a planner but i wasn't planning to that extent it changed yeah yeah so 
Um, do you want me to carry on up to today? Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, like, like you mentioned, you know, most of the time, unfortunately, for 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 people, we come to reflect on our lives and the impact of it and our vision of the future. In most cases, when faced with uh, you know faced with challenge or significant life events, like you know what what happened uh, what happened to you. So, like you say, that must have been a, a life changing moments to hear that news and to go through that process. But uh, uh, in in your case, as you say, you still had that faith you know that strong faith mm -hmm. that you have in in in, in uh, uh your your beliefs and that actually helped you to to uh overcome a bit of that uh fear and uh, all those emotions that were going through uh through that time so uh yeah so just uh take us through um yeah uh what what happened after that yeah mm -hmm. yeah so um with, with regard to the faith, um, I had a lot of people praying with me and um, that was very, very helpful because it was supportive, because it was encouraging me and it was positive. So that helped because I felt like if I'm around these people who are praying with me, I was not fearful. But when I'm left by myself with mm -hmm. just my thoughts, I was fearful. Um, the impact on the children as well, it was really difficult because uh, uh, my son was like 11 years old so also transitioning from primary school to secondary school and then i'm being diagnosed with it so it was it was difficult for the family but we all stuck together and um carried on so uh from then on the i went to work for about a year so 18 months after all this i started i started having um pain again in my leg when I'm walking. Mm. And um, I, I mentioned it to the doctor, but they said, oh, it's just a wear and tear, they say. Yeah. So I listened to that. But then this pain was just getting worse. It wasn't getting any better. It was getting worse when I stepped until I got to a point where I could not walk because I was in so much pain. So I then phoned one of the nurses, the specialist nurses, who um, organized for me to have more tests like a bone scan and when I went for that bone scan again they now say that uh, it had spread to my to my bones wow. so I had yeah so that was in 2017 so then I had to grind everything grind to a halt again but wow. um, I think uh, this faith has kept me going yeah. But um, I just, yeah, I just continue to trust in the Lord. So basically, I had to have more treatment for the bone mm. scan. Um, it didn't take very long. It was radiotherapy for a few weeks, and then they, they said they'll be giving me an injection to strengthen my bones. Mm. Um, and then I had scans which were, were all clear. Um, so that was in 2017, all the way to last year. Mm. Uh, I have been well, no symptoms whatsoever. But then last year, I had I, I have regular follow-ups. So the follow-up that I had uh, in May last year um, on, on my liver, they say that they'd seen something on my liver. So because I've got a history of um, this bone, they call it metastasis, that it's spread to the bone. And because of the breast cancer, they have to um, operate on me to remove it. Yeah. So I had this um, 
operation at the beginning of the pandemic was a major mm. operation that uh, took all the energy from from me as well i think it took all the energy for me uh, because at this point now i was feeling unwell because of the surgery not because i was unwell beforehand it was because of the surgery mm. but it all went well i recovered within six weeks i was back to my normal self and mm. i was back to work and then when i went for the the next follow up which is the scan just to see how i've recovered from the surgery they say that they could still see some red spot on 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 the scans but they'd warned me before the surgery saying that um if they see anything suspicious no mm. matter how small the next step is they're going to give me chemotherapy yeah which is what happened and um chemotherapy was i don't even know how to describe yeah. it it wow. was very traumatic. Yeah. yeah. It, it, um, I think it, because I was well, I did not have symptoms. And then to get treatment that makes you feel so unwell, mm. it was traumatic to me. Yeah. I felt like my body has gone, um, undergone through something brutal. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I can imagine. But, I mean, mm -hmm. Yeah, go uh, on. Uh, three months on. So here I am. I finished chemo in January. Yeah. So here I am. I, I can smile again. <laughs> <laughs> you see, just your story is just characterized by, uh, you know, that uh, bravery, you know, going through those life's challenges and the bravery of it, going through it, and uh, having that uh, faith that is uh, actually carrying you and giving you that uh, positive mental attitude to carry on and be here and still be smiling like, like like you are you know that should give a lot of people you know hope and belief that you know it is possible to fight these life's challenges just like you have done you know and that is uh, a lot of people will find a lot of inspiration in that so you know, thank you very much for for coming to share with us uh, with uh, you know that as well so um how how of course like you say you've got your faith and it's, it's carried you but you know what what else has uh, built you up to have this resilience and this positive mental attitude to still be smiling and be battling it and making sure that you can still carry on mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so first of all i just need to mention about i think awareness awareness so the first thing is when i found that lamp mm -hmm. i went for to be checked straight away i did not fuck about I went to be checked. I think it, uh, sometimes the fear can make you not do anything. It makes you just be paralyzed and not do anything. Mm. So if anyone um, was to go through, you know, sometimes don't doubt yourself. You need to go and get checked or just mention something to someone to mm. help you to say, mm, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Hopefully it's not people who are, who will make you very fearful. Anyway, yeah. the resilience is because of, um, I read a lot, which yeah. is a good thing and it can also be a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> it can be a bad thing if you go to Dr. Gugu, but mm. I did not go to Dr. Gugu. So I had a friend mm. who I work with and she, she's been very supportive. There was things that I didn't understand. Even I am a nurse, but there's things that I did not understand. and. 
if I was doubtful, I wanted to be more information. I used to ask her to go and read for me, go and mm -hmm. check. I'll say, oh, this is the treatment that they want me to have. Or this mm -hmm. is the diagnosis that they've given me. So she would go and read it and break it down to me gently. So mm -hmm. when she came back to me, she did not come with, um, like, uh, she came with positivity to me. Yeah. So I think and then that would encourage me to listen, to hear, and then to go and read. But I didn't go to read just on my own. Because every time I, when, when I first got diagnosed, when I went to read, I was so scared. Because you get all these statistics that are scary. And you're thinking, I'm going to be dead within a month. Mm. So mm. I had to come up with my own strategy of um, speaking to this, um, my work colleague, actually. And I would say, oh, this is what they've said. Because I, I had to write down everything because I, I would forget things. So I'd say, this is what they've said. And then she'd go and look it up and come back to me. She'd go and look up the treatment and come back to me. Mm. And in the background, I also plugged myself into church. And I would go and um, meet with people from my church. I, I'd go to all sorts of meetings and they would pray with me. They would uh, give me verses, they would send me text messages, the words of encouragement. So that also helped me. So I sort of closed it to all the noise. Yeah. I, I didn't want to hear. I, I've got some people, some family members um, who they might wonder I did not speak to them or they don't know they'll find out from this interview. <laughs> but it's because I decided to just tell a few people. Yeah. And to encourage me so that I was not afraid. Mm. So I could just focus on the treatment and um, I, I not get too much sympathy for, from people. Because I've, had, I've been through it for a long, um, two more times. What happened with the first time is when I tell people the diagnosis, the face would drop. Yeah. And then they would make me afraid. Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so I didn't want that. I needed people who were strong, mm -hmm. who were going to carry me, be strong, and encourage me and stay positive. So mm -hmm. that's what I did. I just surrounded myself with people who I felt they were going to help me. Mm -hmm. That that's correct points there. Like I mean, first, like you mentioned about the awareness. If people have got a, a the slightest of suspicions of what's going on. It's better to get checked early, you know, better to be safe than sorry. It's, 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 you know, at least if you, if you get checked, even if there's something there, you can get uh, treatment early before things actually, mm -hmm. actually get worse as, uh, as well. But uh, also, you know, the, the important point you touch on there about the network and the people around you who can help you with that positive mental attitude to actually drive you. Because, I mean, science itself does confirm that... Uh, you know, the, the things that we perceive and think about and our mental state actually has an impact on the chemical makeup of our bodies as well. So it can make things better or worse. So to be in that mm -hmm. good, positive mental state, you know, does work to your advantage as well. So there is that element of picking the right people who you think are strong enough to actually help you to understand what is going on, the seriousness of it, but also how being in the right friend of mine is part of the package of the treatment to get you better as well. So, and uh, it looks uh, that it's worked wonderfully for you and, uh, you know, you're still smiling, which, which is great. Um, so in terms of um, 
the kind of things that this experience would have uh, made you to to look at changing in your life, like your vision and the things that you you want to do, and uh, uh, it's brought some urgency to it. Uh, what what kind of things you know came into being as a result of this experience? You know, it could be. I mean, uh, any impact on work or business, or you thought about doing things that you had been putting off before, and now uh, you, you, you got a chance to say, you know, reprioritize your life so that you can do certain things. Talk us through some of that. Mm. So the first thing is, um, I think I started telling people the truth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know whether it's a good thing or not. Yeah. Before I would. Um, not tell people the truth and just the, listen to them but some these days when someone says something and i'll just tell them the way i feel or the way yeah. i see the situation mm. um the other thing is um i looked at um we looked at our finances me and gray we looked at our finances mm. and the things that were a priority then are not a priority in our lives anymore mm. so we have sort of um, changed and we're being intentional in what we do but I do find joy I've always been that person who is helpful so yeah. I like to help other people um, I've always helped people back home in Malawi like with school fees and things like that but I think I have sort of intensified um, I want my money to to have an impact on someone's life yeah. and not so i would choose instead of buying maybe a a, a new dress or a new handbag mm -hmm. i would weigh up and think you know what let me give this to so and so so that they can go and pay their school fees so mm -hmm. I'm, i've been looking at people in my village say oh who 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 does well in school and needs school fees so i've been helping a few people i think is that i find joy in that when mm -hmm. i'm helping someone else instead of just wasting my money on mcdonald's <laughs> or um, places yeah. like that so uh, work-wise i am also like said i i used to be afraid and not say um what i want in work so i've been able to talk to my managers and say that look this is what i'm going through how can you help me and um i've had a positive response um, now I'm able to work from home, whereas before I think I would just uh, sit there and just continue going to work thinking this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I think I've learned to, to open up a bit more mm -hmm. and to uh, be truthful and just to look at um, my situation and then weigh things up, uh, which I never used to do. Like I said before, we we're just leaving, just yeah. getting up and going to work. Mm -hmm. So that's all stuff um we we're looking at investing investments which yeah. yeah which we we do have but i think we were not prioritizing that it was just one of those things that let's do or we will do it another time <laughs> but now we're sort of serious about yeah. it mm. yeah wow so yeah it you know life's challenges do bring a, a change in perspective isn't it you know the things that uh where priority or you know you applied certain meaning to it uh, all of a sudden yes. may have a different meaning and new priorities and things will emerge with a uh, a different meaning just like you say now you know that 
contribution to others that you're do, you're doing to help people back home to to lift themselves up as well and break through into success whether it's education or some personal development you know has has come into with a particular meaning to you so that's that's uh, that's been great so what what would you what would be your advice you know knowing what you now know and the different meaning of life and contribution that you say what what would you say to what would be your advice to people in in general about life and how they should see it and how they should go about you know uh prioritizing and putting things that are important uh, uh ahead in order to do uh to do things what what would be your advice based on your experience so far i think it will, um it should be be intentional that's one word that uh, you have mm. to be intentional with your life and also investing in yourself um yeah. once you invest in yourself i think you can go you can um you can overcome different obstacles because sometimes if you're depending on people all the time they let you down when they let you down you start blaming the people and not blaming yourself so I, i've learned that um sometimes i have to look at myself as well uh, look at myself look at my behavior and then invest in the things that i'm lacking so i look at me first before i start pointing fingers at other people mm. Wow. That's, uh, that's one thing. Uh, the other thing I've learned from here, the reason I'm talking to you, it's because um, with my first experience, I thought I was just going to deal with it and just keep quiet about it. Because mm. I don't like to be the center of attention. I just like to do things and just be quiet. But um, I thought, you know what, maybe just speaking up will help, might help one person. So even from today, if we're going to help one person, then I've done something instead yeah. of just keeping quiet. Because the people sometimes they will see me, they'll say, Oh, she's still she she's gone through this, and yet this is how she's behaving. Maybe that will help someone. Yeah. So this is why I've decided that, that let me speak up about this. Um, that we might be smiling, but behind the scenes, we are also going through difficult situations. Mm. But speak up and find people who will hold your hand who are good to you who are celebrating you and then they'll help you overcome and um plugging into a higher power whether it's um, for myself it's god and i believe um because i'm a christian i believe in god and i find comfort going to church and talking to people who are christians like me it also helps so have a belief and you know plug into that so that they continue to to speak into your life positive things. Mm. Wow, that that's great advice there Angela, thank you. <laughs> and and so um when you look to the to the future, what is the mm -hmm. the vision for you like uh, you know 5 years, 10 years down the line and more? Where would do you see yourself or where would you like to be or what impact would you like to have? had on the planet or people in general um i've done more in the last three years than i've done i think it all my life but <laughs> yeah. um the, what i see in the next five years is um raise, raising the children so mm -hmm. they 
the well 16 and 18 but we are sort of investing a lot in them mm-hmm. uh, i will not do what my parents did <laughs> telling me what to do so i've just um put the foundation for them but yeah. I, I, i'll leave them to go whichever direction they want to go and we will just be behind and support the children in whatever they 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 want whichever direction they would like to go to mm. um would also like to own my own business which is yeah. a dream that's been <laughs> that's been there for a very long time but i just haven't done anything about it mm-hmm. and i think this is the first step to me owning my own thing uh, you know you've been mentoring me obviously yeah. you were mentoring me before <laughs> all this happened so yeah. i haven't forgotten about that i still want to impact other people by having um i think having a business would would help other people it's not for me really it's mm. just for a source of income to also help other people and bring joy to me at the same time so yeah. i want to follow things that bring joy to me so talking finances brings joy to me <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> yeah anything about finances that brings joy to me and yeah. um, it's something that i have invested in the last three, three, three years so i would also like to mm. um, share that knowledge with other people yeah absolutely and, and and that's great as well you know following your passion and your values and the things that are meaning meaningful to you you know is is a is a great way in the end to to live a more fulfilled life you know otherwise uh, you know we just get to be pushed into things which either our parents or other people we think we idolize are doing we want to follow that yeah. but each one of us are unique and if we do what is unique to us and what is meaningful to us that's how we we, we live a more impactful life as well and uh, there is uh, um uh, a great um, uh, philosophy it's called the kaizen philosophy actually and it just talks about uh, you know doing those extre- taking those extremely small steps every day yeah. but that are meaningful yeah. and impactful because uh, if if you look at a, a journey if you set yourself a certain up to go to uh, manchester or wherever that's like uh, 300 miles away or, or, or you know but assuming let's say you're driving in the dark in front of you you can only see a few meters yeah but after so many hours you be in manchester so it's all about just that little step that you see in front of you just take that uh you know yeah. slowly by slowly do those small bits but consistently over time and eventually you yeah. will find that it will take you to to where you you you, you need to be and 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 it's yeah. it's, it's actually easier that way because when you look at the big blocks the big vision a lot of mm-hmm. people fail to actually get to to do anything they procrastinate because it looks so big yeah. so huge that the fear you know comes and sets in and that fear yeah. you know will trigger in our brain that uh, fright mode and that fright yeah. will, that fright mode will manifest into procrastination and not doing anything yeah. and then uh, nothing the happens. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, uh, you know. Yeah, But if, yeah, if you, if you break down the things that you're doing into small steps, you sort of uh, bypass that uh, uh uh you know, fear system because I- imagine for example, 
if you are going to go to a gym and do like a one hour or 30 minutes of exercise, you know, that can seem a, a huge task. Or if you're going to run a marathon for miles, that can seem a huge, a huge task. But if you think that uh, every time you're watching television when there's a commercial, you just stand up and just dance for one minute in front of the TV, you know, do that for, uh, you know, a period of time. That is small exercise that you're actually doing. And uh, it doesn't yes. uh, look like something huge. It's small. It bypasses your yes. fear system because it's not uh, something that is difficult. If you tell someone, they will just gladly do it. Yeah, It bypasses <laughs> that fear system. But in the end, yes. if you do it consistently over a long time, it actually yeah. brings you the same results that you can get from uh, you know, uh, understanding and trying to drive a big, bold uh, objective. So, yeah, when you're looking at your business and everything else, think of those extremely small steps consistently yeah. over time. So yeah. it could be uh, I've had people, for example, uh, in, in sourcing, they are looking for properties. All you do is just, yeah. look, at, just look at one a day uh, at yeah. any given time that you're doing things, just have a look at your phone. One a day, you'll find over the course of the week, you've looked at seven. You increase that to two, yeah. then you're multiplying your, your results. So, yeah, it is about those small steps. So as you go about your 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 journey, your vision and the business and the things that you, you look to do, uh, just make sure, take those small steps and you'll find that you, you will get there. So it's been uh, such a... Sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off. Um, yeah. like like for me even the fear of public speaking yeah is a fear for me so even me talking to you right now uh -huh. i've just overcome something just yes. being able to speak up and talk to you so that is part of those small steps because yes i don't like public speaking but mm. i i would like to organize events yeah. but then every time i think about the oh Although that is one of my strengths, organizing things. So, events, yeah? Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah, I, I think I, I look at it, again, looking at the things of looking at it in small steps. Instead of looking yeah. at the event as one big event, yeah, look at it as yeah. uh, small parts, you know, like, uh, you know, you have to make uh, just a list of people to be there or you have to yeah. uh, arrange, you know, uh, a person to be there or someone to arrange, whether it's... Uh, the talk or the speech or the food or the whatever it is that you're arranging. So think of it in those in those small bits and yeah. pieces. Once you, yeah. you know, those small bits come together, that's your event. Uh, it's yeah. it's the same with, uh, uh, with, with, with with speaking, like coming on uh, on this uh, podcast to speak to us. You see, you can yeah. think of it in terms of those uh, small steps of uh, a chronological order of your journey. So you yeah. just think about you know, uh, growing up as uh, uh, as a child, you know, the two of you, your parents, you moved to Alilongwe, and then uh, you, you build it up like that. And then you went to school, and then uh, yeah. you, to the, the secondary school, you went to uni, you then got to work, yeah. and then you moved here. By the time you talk about all of that in those small chunks of stories yeah. that you're building up, you'll find that an hour yeah. has gone and you've talked through your journey uh, in that way. So if you look at each piece as a small piece, as a building block, you'll find that things become easier and you bypass that fear as well, you know? Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah, because so, I'm relaxed now. I was yeah. tense when I first started. <laughs>
I'm relaxed now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and that, that's how it works. And everything comes with uh, our practice and repetition as well, because that's how we develop mm -hmm. the habits. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, the more you do things, the more you engage yourself, you talk, and you can give yourself challenges of uh, uh, even now. Uh, posting like a, a video because you are part of our business uh the bw masterminds yeah uh, yes, so yes. on there uh you know sometimes i'll post a video or something you can just uh yes. post something even if just to say a quick hello i'm just walking in the park with uh, uh you know with someone just uh, you know reflecting on abcd and i hope everyone is okay that's it you know and then gradually you build up you know something yeah. that, that, yeah. that, that's all it takes and uh, you'll oh. find a lot of support especially in, in that community of the masterminds mm -hmm. it's a yeah. very supportive environment a lot of people are on similar journeys they understand the yeah. fear the anxieties the limiting factors but also understand that in order to progress we need to lift each other so you get that support yeah, yeah? but you yeah. have to yeah. take that step but take it in, mm. in, in small chunks because talking yeah. for 30 seconds, even if you just say hello, like today yeah. I posted, a, I posted a, video, uh, a picture about smiling, you know, smiling is a, yeah. it's, it's a good way, it's got benefit. And I ask people to post yeah. a picture. So you could start with that, take a picture of you yeah. smiling and you post it on there. And then next time yeah. you will actually post a video of you smiling or laughing and so on. Yeah. But small steps that build your confidence and moves you yeah. along the journey in in small phases yeah. that you don't realize at the time but if you look at it over a course of a year or something you've done something mm -hmm. significant because to achieve big results people don't just arrive to success they've been no. taking small steps over a long period of time i was looking yeah. now i've done uh, uh, over a hundred episodes of podcasting wow and uh, wow. you know, when I started the journey, I had no idea or vision of getting there. And within that, yeah. I didn't even have an idea of who would come on the podcast, the likes of you. Yeah. But I've had uh, people who have been running billion-dollar uh, industries, yeah. you know, top human yeah. behavior specialists who are talking on the podcast. Yeah. And even myself, yeah. from a personal development point of view, to speak to people and all of those, those challenges is things that have yeah. developed over time by doing yeah. small things on a consistent basis, you know, speak to people on a weekly basis, uh, you know, consistently over time. I give myself challenges to put up even a one minute or two minute video clip of me just talking about something either I've read yeah. in the newspaper or someone has said, or, or I've yeah. read in a book or a podcast, just to repeat it. Because yeah. sometimes yeah. it's all about that, not creating something of your own, but just repeating something. Like the yeah. cousin, cousin philosopher just shared. Now someone just yeah. shared, shared that I just read I read a, a book somewhere the, about the small steps making a big difference. And just talk about yeah. it, and that's something that is actually helping you to develop as well. Yeah. So that's that's <laughs> how it it all builds up. But you're doing great. You're doing fantastic. You are taking all the steps, the right <laughs> steps that you need uh, in terms of developing yourself, reading. Uh, listening to podcasts and attaching yourself yeah. to the right network and group of people. So in mm -hmm. five years' time, you're going to arrive somewhere and it, it would have been a, a great journey. So 
it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you and you sharing your story with us. And uh, a lot of our listeners are going to resonate with your story as well and uh, you know, reach out to you. So if people are looking to make contact with you or I'll find you and just, uh, you know, um, share in your um, story or ask for advice and anything else that they, they, they may want to reach out to you. How can people find you? Um, you can find me. Um, I have an email address, which mm -hmm. is uh, uh, my surname, Sonti mm -hmm. uh, A at gmail.com. Yeah. And I'm also on Facebook. I did come out of Facebook for a little while, but I've gone back. I'm on Facebook. Yeah. So people can find me on Facebook as well. I do have a Twitter handle, which yeah. I see once in a while, but not that obsessed yet. So, yeah, yeah those okay. are the platforms where people can find people me. What's up? Yeah, okay, perfect. No, that's absolutely yeah. amazing. Is there any last words you'd, you'd like to share? with people, anything that we haven't uh, gone through that you would like to to say, any piece of advice or experience or something that um, you would like to finish with? I just want to say thank you to you for giving me this platform to be able to open up yeah. uh, because it's going to be a shock to some people, but um, <laughs> thank you for allowing me time. I think I needed time to heal myself to yeah. be able to speak it because he was traumatic. And uh, now that I'm able to speak about it, I just, um, I'm, I'm thankful to you that you've allowed me to talk about it. Um, like you said, um, starting with baby steps that I'm going to remember about that, um, start with baby steps so that um, you bypass that fear. So thank you very much. Yeah, that's uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having having you on here. So, I'm sure we'll be following your story as well as you progress in uh, in your personal and professional journey. So next time we'll probably come back, share more of your journey, how things have been going, and then uh, just to inspire people because I know there'll be a lot of people, some of your friends and our listeners who will listen to this and be inspired that you know if uh, Angela has gone through this challenges, these difficulties, mm -hmm. and she's still here and smiling yeah. and she can share advice yeah. and all of that, you know, that's going to yeah. be quite inspiring to people. So thank you very much for coming on and thank you very much to, uh, for sharing your personal journey as well. And I'm sure we'll catch up very soon. So enjoy the rest of your evening. Yeah. Thank you very much, Alex. All right. Thanks, Bye. Angela. Bye.